I have done one braver thing than all the worthies did, yet a braver thence doth spring, which is to keep that hit. Welcome to Metaphysical Mondays on the Troubadour Podcast. Today I will be reading The Undertaking by John Donne. Now, we've done Woman's Constancy, Go go and Catch a Falling Star, The Good Morrow, and The Flea so far. And today we're going to look at a slightly different version of his ideas of woman and man and the relationship of love. So we've seen before that he has questioned if it's possible to find a virtuous woman, to find a woman that is as beautiful inside as outside, or really just has any beauty inside, I think is one of the things in terms of the the virtues that he extolled. Although, you know, there, he questioned, you know, as a poet, he went back and forth a lot. So he wasn't just about, she had to have these certain Christian views because in the flea, he's talking about, well, let's have sex outside of this. And he's making an argument for that. So he's a varied uh, poet or speaker, just like many poets sometimes go back and forth on their views of things. And part of what poetry allows them to do is to explore certain ideas in a poetic form and, and in a, a story form, in a sense, like, but not a full-on novel or even a short story. Now, so I'm going to read this. It's a very short poem, so I don't think we need to spend a lot of time uh, building up to it. There are a couple terms it might help you to know. One, I want you to think about the title, The Undertaking. You know what an undertaking is. It's, um, now, this is 400 years ago. This is the early 1600s when he wrote this. So there's some time difference. And, you know, I think there is some interesting things to learn about how language changes and how a word may be slightly different. But I think the undertaking in particular was a great choice. It may have meant a lot of the same things it means to us. And, you know, if you imagine the title after we read it as something like the task or the project, you know, you might think of it a little bit differently. Now, he talks about the not, or he talks about the worthies, capital W, worthies, multiple worthies. These are a reference to the nine worthies. This is a Middle Ages type thing, you know, comes probably only a couple hundred years before done when they kind of compiled, when the, the monks of the Middle Ages compiled these, or the Christians particularly, compiled these lists of, hey, these are the worthy men that we should emulate in certain aspects. Now, not all aspects, but these were the worthy men's, particularly for chivalric type of uh, men who wanted to be, this is the ideal, let's strive for this on earth. Of course, God is the ultimate ideal, but on earth, these are the men that we should think about in various ways and we can learn from. So there are three. Now, it's not really necessary that you have to know these, by the way. You could just know that they're the nine worthies in the way that he uses this poem. But I thought you might find it interesting to know who the nine worthies were. I'm not going to go into detail about them. But um, Hector from the Iliad, Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar. Those are the three pagan worthies. The three Jewish worthies were Joshua, David, and Judas Maccabeus. The three Christians are King Arthur, Charlemagne, and Godfrey of Bouillon. I, I don't know if I'm... I'm pronouncing that correctly. I'm pronouncing it like bullion Q uh, or something. So anyway, those are the worthies. So when he talks about the quote he uses is, um, you know, I read it already. I've done one braver thing than all the worthies did. So he did more brave than Hector facing Iliad, more brave than Alexander the Great, you know, facing the hordes of uh, enemies and elephants and so on and so forth. So there's 
and more than Julius Caesar and the uh, the Visigoths. So he he's saying that what he's doing now. So you know when when I read that first stanza, what's the the question you should be asking is what's that braver thing that he did, right? What is that? And that's what we're going to kind of explore here. So let's read this poem. And um, you know, like I said, it's a pretty simple poem, or I should say, it's a short poem. But I think it merits multiple readings, and it's interesting um, to to keep going through it. So, The Undertaking by John Donne. I have done one braver thing than all the worthies did, and yet a braver thence doth spring, which is to keep that hid. It were but madness now to impart the skill of specular stone, when he, which can have learned the art, to cut it, can find none. So, if I now should utter this, others, because no more such stuff to work upon there is, would love but as before. But he who loveliness within hath found all outward loathes, for he who color loves and skin loves but their oldest clothes. If as I have, you also do virtue in woman see, and dare love that and say so too, and forget the he and she. And if this love, though placed so, from profane men you hide, which will no faith on this bestow, or if they do, deride, then you have done a braver thing than all the worthies did, and a braver thence will spring, which is to keep that hid. Okay, so this is one of those poems you know, I wanted to read it once. We can go through it again. You need to hear it once. You need to read it once because like many poems, the key to unlocking it is in stanza five or it's in a later stanza. So he, he refers to things in earlier stanzas that don't make sense on their own, but they make sense once you understand the totality of the poem. So I always say the key to unlocking a poem's meaning is actually in reading it a few times because the total is taken as a unified whole. So something in the end can refer to something that happens earlier. It's like a circular thing. So it's like, oh, what he's talking about is an undertaking, something to do with woman. But he doesn't actually mention anything about women until stanza five, right? So how do you know he's talking about women, right? Now, now you know, people know this today if you read, if you like look online and uh, at critics because they know they've read the poem. But if it's your first time reading it, you're going to be like, I don't understand what is what is what does it mean? It what is madness to impart the skill of specular stone? What is he talking about there? What's madness when he which can uh, never learn the art to cut it can find none? Like what does that have to do with anything? But when you put that in the context of a woman and a woman's virtue, then it makes more sense. Now, first off, let me. Uh, I, I said I was going to tell you a couple terms before I read and I forgot. One term I think is helpful to know is um, specular stone. Now, specular means something like referring to or relating to or, or a mirror, basically. Now, the idea is that a specular stone was in Don's time, and I don't know if this is actually true, I just know that Don believed it, or Don's era, this was thought to be true, is that in antiquity there was an actual stone, like a rock, that they could use for mirrors. Now, that very may be well true. I actually don't know, but we could just assume that what he's talking about is a stone 
that was is no longer used in his time in the 1600s to make mirrors and you can't find these kinds of stones anymore at all and that there was a time in the past when you could use them so think about what he's saying if it were but madness now to impart to teach to impart the skill right to teach that skill of specular stone of working with specular stone that's what it means to impart the skill of something so it's madness to to teach someone how to um, use specular stone, the special stone, when he which can have learned the art to cut it can find none, right? So what's the point of learning how to use a certain material if the material's not there, right? So in the second stanza, the or excuse me, the third stanza that was the second stanza. In the third stanza, he says, "So if I now should utter this, others, because no more such stuff to work upon there is." would love but as before. Now again, this doesn't make sense if you don't realize what he's talking about is virtuous women, women who are beautiful on the inside. Right? So now let's put this all in context. So he begins by talking about, I've done one braver thing, just one braver thing than all the worthies did. And yet, a bra- and now this, bur- this undertaking, this worthy thing that he did, we learn is basically to love the interior or the soul of a woman, of a virtuous woman. And now it's, you know, uh, and to not tell it. And yet a braver than stuff spring, which is to keep that hid, right? So not to tell people that he loves this woman because of her virtues and the inside, not just because of the outer clothing he'll talk about uh, as a metaphor for her outer skin, right? Uh, the, the outer appearance of her, but the skin, which changes over time and, and can be, you know, uh, turned off and such as she gets older, for instance. So there's a spiritual love that he's talking about here. It's it's two ghosts mating in the night type thing, like just interwavely. This is a, again a common Christian theme that you get a lot of is that you know there's something deeper than just our physical bodies, our genitalia, right? That is something of the earth. It's low, it's something to be loathed. Although he also he questions this often, but this in this period or in this poem, I think that's what he's saying here. If as I have, you also do virtue in women's see, woman see. So if you find a woman that you can find virtue in, and you dare to love that, the woman, and you could say it, that you love her, and you can forget the he and she. So he, and, and now he hasn't had a conclusion yet. He's just saying, if you could do that. He hasn't said, if you do this, the condition is, or this is the condition. If you do this, we don't have the conclusion that then, you know, if you run up the hill, then you will lose weight. Like you don't have the then. Next stanza. And if this love, though placed so, from profane men you hide, which will no faith in this bestow, on this bestow, or if they do, deride. Again, I don't think this is super complicated if you think about it. So he, he still hasn't gone into the then part, right? So it's condition, but not the conclusion. So we have the, if you run up the hill, that's it. We don't have the then what happens yet. So we're still waiting for that. He keeps saying and, and, and. Right, so if I as, so if you do what I've done, you love this woman, you dare to love her, you dare to tell her, and you're able to forget the he and the she, right? You're able to forget that you're man and man and woman, and you're just two beings. And if this love, though placed so from profane men, you know this is today we might think of profanities, which is I think related, but it also could mean something like not virtuous men from profane men you hide, which will no faith on this bestow, so they're not going to have any faith that this is even possible or, or give you any credit for this. And if they, you know, do learn about it, they will deride, or if they do, deride. 
then you have done a braver thing. So this is the then, right? So if you do these things like I have, right? He talks about this in stanza one, right? Stanza one is I have done one braver thing. So if you do that, then you have done a braver thing than all the worthies did. And a braver thence will spring, which is to keep that hid. So just like the beginning, he's, he's echoing it. It's a total totality of a circle coming around. And we get this idea that, oh, well, then now you're one of the nine worthies, or at least in this realm. So he's comparing it to this ancient world of, you know, such a, an epic thing. If you can, fi- one, find a virtuous woman and to love her as she is virtuous, irregardless, or excuse me, regardless of the outer um, looks that she has. So basically love an ugly woman, right? Get an ugly woman to marry. If you ever heard that song. When I was a kid, it was one of my favorite songs. It's such a fun song. Um, so look it up. Yeah, I think you can only find it on like YouTube. If you get an ugly woman to marry you, but it's um, the the story of that is pretty clear. I think <laughs> of, the, of that song, but that that's the idea. I think that he's getting across here, and he's saying that it's an ancient thing. There's no, you know, it's, it's rare. It's rarely going to happen, but it will make you one of the worthy men if you can do it, because there is a kind of madness to it, right? That. With Julius Caesar in, in fighting the the, the um, Germans, basically of his era, uh, the, the these brutish tribes that were just trying to—well, they weren't even doing that much—but they would sometimes raid Roman um, villages and such. And he would, you know, he wiped them out or, or brought them under his heel. And this, you know, was a mad thing to do. What Alexander the Great did, right, in, in trying to conquer the known world and almost succeeding—that was madness. And Hector facing the Ili- and, uh, facing Achilles, the greatest warrior of all time, you know, to defend his, even though he knows he's probably going to fail, you know, that's one of the great things of all time. And, and David going after uh, Goliath, that's madness. Like each of these worthies did something that might be considered madness. He's relating that to this, to, to loving this kind of woman, even though there's no, you know, it's madness to do this, just like it's madness to... Uh, learn spec learn how to work specular stone which doesn't exist anymore right um and and to do the kind of things of loving the inward loving the virtue not loving the the outer color and the, uh, things of that nature but to love the oldest clothes and to see and to say it out loud that you love this person that's the rarity i think that's what he's saying here now you know it's it's metaphysical poetry so we're we're getting um like we've talked about before, it's a, metaphysics is important. So, but in this regard, I think it's talking about spiritual. So we have something about the spirit is important, and we have an idea that um, you know we have this kind of again far fetched, far fetched imagery that we're getting, like these specular stones are related, like that kind of joining that I had to do of the woman's virtue and the uh, specular stone analogy. I had to put them together. It's not, it's a little bit far-fetched, I think, and that, or at least that's how critics have used it. That's not what Dunn would have said. So, you know, it's just something you have to work at, um, maybe a little more than in some poems. Although I think all great poems you gotta work to dig into. Okay, so this is a shorter one. I hope you enjoyed Metaphysical Mondays on the Troubadour podcast. Join me for Sunday morning poetry. Um, and I will try to get in a couple more ballads. And I'm hoping to do some readings of Edgar Allan Poe as well soon. So I will talk to you soon. And thank you.